and welcome back to State of Mind. I'm Grace Kingswell and I'm your host. I'm going to ditch the little spiel I usually do at the beginning of my podcast episodes where I tell you that I'm a nutritional therapist, etc, etc, and just say that I really hope that all of you listening to this are well and trying your best to stay positive and happy in what is a completely disorientating, scary, sad and very confusing world right now. I really hope that this episode can bring you some light relief from the everyday Um, and it's actually the last in series four so thank you so much for listening to this series. Um, It's been amazing to have you along here for the ride. So with this episode, I am on location in Australia. That sounds very fancy, but I was just on holiday there. Um, And I'm talking to male model, actor, designer, documentary maker, father and business owner, Rhys Ulick. I took the opportunity to interview Rhys when my husband and I were in Australia visiting family on Phillip Island at the start of this year. I'd followed Reese on social media for a while and loved his incredibly sensitive and thoughtful take on life. One day, his Insta stories might be him doing up an old defender and the next, he's getting all spiritual and discussing male mental health, which is actually something we chat extensively about in this episode. Reese's journey to where he is now is really interesting and I think proves that life is never linear, straightforward or logical. It is what we make of it and what we create from it is up to each of us. As a final note, I just wanted to say that on my website there is an ebook that I put together a couple of weeks ago um, all about immunity and um, it goes into detail about four key things that you can do to boost your immune system right now. It's just five pounds and I really hope that the advice in there helps you. So, on with the final episode of series four. So, hey, Reese. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm just going to give listeners a little bit of a perspective on our current situation. You might think that because I'm in Australia, we're in some beautiful, like, beachside cafe or whatever, but we're sitting in a a chiropractor's room. um, On the floor. On the floor. Uh, Reese looks rather uncomfortable, kind of on his knees. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're at a place called Island Healing, which mm. I would love for you to tell us all about. But firstly, I have to start the way I always start, which is what is the last thing you did that positively impacted your health? It's a great question. You can see why it's a regular question. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind would be um, something I'd did for my emotional health, which was a couple of days ago, recognized a pretty significant pattern that had kept me hypervigilant in my life. And that was always waiting to be doing something wrong. I think for whatever reason, whether it's the way I was raised or karmically born with, uh, I, I had a bit of a realization that no matter what I was doing in, in life, I was always waiting to be pulled up on it. And um, it, it made me pretty tired um, and through some therapy and some healing and self-reflection, I kind of realized that and feel like accepted, grieved and moved through it a little bit. So I think it's probably been pretty significant in, mm. uh, 
In, and this was only a few days ago. Yeah, two days ago probably. You <laughs> oh, know. my gosh. But like any kind of anything I expect it to be going, going. Mm. <laughs> like I think one thing I've learned is healing is uh, it never ends. But, yeah. but it was a pretty big thing for me. Um, so, yeah, that's a pretty positive. I'm sure it will have positive uh, effects in my mental and physical health. Amazing. Yeah. And is that um, – do you think that you were kind of brought to that point by – your like what you've been up to in your life to date or do you think it was some like you're saying like an inherited trait it's interesting I've never actually heard anyone say that before but I guess in a way we are sort of conditioned aren't we from a young age at school to kind of always be hyper vigilant of um not doing anything which is gonna get you told off or like get Mm. a black mark against your name on the register or Mm. and uh I wonder if we all kind of live with that yeah. daily. I think, and I think the thing that uh, I realized is that that was living really with fear as my motivator, you know, waiting mm. for that moment. And, uh, yeah, definitely the school system would have played a part. Uh, I think my upbringing, uh, most certainly did. Um, but yeah, it was quite a sad realization knowing that, wow, I was getting through life with a core belief that what I was doing was wrong, no matter what it was, like whether mm. it was working on my old car or I was waiting for it to have hurt someone, which sounds mm. really strange, but I think that was a core belief I had and it wasn't the act of what I was doing. It's just there was a belief there that, mm. you know, was driving it. And I think it did drive me to dysfunctional behaviours as well, that that core belief, but also functional behaviours I thought the same, had the same thought process. So mm. hmm, that realisation was really enlightening but also quite sad I think to Mm. realize that for 35 years of my life I'd kind of been living with that as part Mm. of me. So tell us a little bit about you because obviously um, actually you're the second Australian guest on the podcast Um, so my listeners might not not know who you are. Um, You grew up here on Phillip Island. Yeah it's okay I don't know who I am either so it's it's great. (laughs) Um, I did grow up on Phillip Island um, which is obviously a place close to your heart now as well um it's a pretty it's a pretty small place um but population uh, size is what like 10 i reckon it's about 10 to twelve thousand, and then obviously swells to around about a hundred thousand on boxing day which is the Mm. beginning of our busy period from there till the end of jan um but yeah you know grew up down here proud of it definitely um couldn't wait to get off when i was 18 i think like most people um Mm. you you probably take for granted um, how lucky we are to live here. And I think now coming back, now that I've got kids, I realise that it's almost like the ocean and the natural elements down here act as another parent. And it probably, I think, <laughs> not to discredit my own parents, but they were more, the ocean was more consistent than my other upbringing. So I think um, we're very blessed to be surrounded by those, those things to um, help show us the way. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, having kids, that was a real, uh, big part of my decision to move back down here a few Mm. years ago. And you moved where up to Melbourne? Did Melbourne, um, university studied, uh, television documentary, then teaching. Um, and then, uh, and then moved to New York, um, for a year, LA for a year, Bali for, um, three years, um, back to LA for a couple of years and then back here. And was that with modelling? Were you yeah, modelling initially, um, which I became quite disillusioned with, and then um, and then Bali was for a fashion label that I started, um, 
And then, yeah, LA again was for acting the last couple of years. Um, You know, I think always chasing the same fire, sometimes through ego, sometimes Mm. through my heart. Mm. And uh, the thing that I have realised that it's all, whether it's a fashion label or the acting, less modelling, but I'm finding a way to love it finally now. Um, It was always chasing that same creative fire, Mm. Um, whether it's designing a T-shirt or or acting in a scene, it was the Mm. same thing. I've always found that being a creative type of person is inherently complex and and difficult because you always feel like you're striving for something more like you haven't made that thing or discovered that emotion that's made you happy yet whereas Mm. I mean and this could be like you know I could be completely wrong in this and and maybe being a little like narrow-minded but I feel like people that are very good at other careers which are perhaps just more kind of data driven or, you know, cause and effect, mm, or, mm. you know, you do this and you get that. And it's, it's quite kind of simple in that way, although not mm. a simple profession, it's much easier to measure your success. Mm. Whereas when you're sort of, you feel like you've been put on this earth to like do something or make something or, you know, it's, you, and you're sort of always searching for that. It just leaves you in such turmoil. It does. And you're right. Cause it is so unquantifiable. Mm. Will you ever? Will it ever be enough? Yeah. But I guess hearing you say that, it kind of what it depends what drives you, and if it's to fill a void and to to find that that self love or that self acceptance, then maybe it'll never be enough, you mm. know. Um, but um, yeah, yeah I, I truly believe that no matter who you are, we're all here to find a way to creatively express in the world, mm. whether you're going to make millions out of it or just do it for your mum. Mm. Um, I think we all want to be heard and seen in our mm. own unique way. Um, and which of those life experiences, whether it's like Bali or LA or here, do you feel has shaped you the most in like what you're doing right now? Mm. Um, cause a lot of like Bali seems to be this kind of, a lot of Brits go over to Bali to live now because it's yeah. so easy to like work from, from anywhere and they're living out these amazing kind of nomadic lifestyles yeah. and you know, hashtag Bali life and stuff. And yeah. I just wonder whether it's, I, I mean, we went on our honeymoon and I loved it, Yeah. but I wonder whether living there is as fulfilling as it perhaps looks on paper. I don't know. Yeah. I, no, would be the short answer. Um, I've always said that Bali gives you what you give it those more than any other place I've ever been. Um, it has this incredible karmic value to it, I think, which it'll shake you up if you need a wake up. And that's mm-hmm. why so many people go to Bali, have scooter accidents and come back hating it. You either love or you hate it. You know, mm-hmm. I think depending on what intention you go with is your experience. Um, I haven't been to back to Bali for a few years now and I, I felt really repelled from it for a few years. And it was interesting because I was speaking to a few locals there and they seem to think Bali's been having a rebirth and it's been evident with you know, the volcanoes and earthquakes and everything that's been happening. And they're kind of embracing that as, as a, a new dawn for Bali. Um, so yeah, up until then, I think I was pretty jaded with it, but it was more so the people visiting and frequenting Bali than Bali itself. Mm. Strangely enough though, LA and Bali seem like such different places, but you know, one's called the Island of the Gods, the other's City of Angels. And in a way they both have this incredible, higher realm quality to them, which is mm. what I fell in love with. It wasn't the glitz and glamour of Hollywood or the hashtag Bali life. I think it was this unattainable or this unquantifiable that it was just magic. And I think mm. connecting to a higher 
places we, should, we all want to do. And I think both of those places, for me, um, I felt closer to that than anywhere else mm. in the world. Whereas being on the island, I feel more grounded than anywhere else in the world. So right. I feel like in Bali and LA, I'm floating, and which is beautiful. And But there's also, as humans, we're meant to be on the ground. Mm. You know, we're allowed to have all these, allowed. We love to have all these higher vibrational experiences and we always want to rise to another um you know level um but we have to be on the ground for it to integrate yeah so i think um if i can yeah if i think about it it's a nice mix you know yeah, the yeah. three places yeah um but sometimes it's really sobering coming back to the island because you realize maybe you've been living in your head a little bit and yeah. uh it, you really when you drive that bridge and get home you really hit the ground with a thud i find i mm. do and sometimes it's a bit um of a reality check. Yeah. Is that what brought you back? I mean, what was the yeah, decision to I, come I, back here? Yeah, it brought me back kicking and screaming because I didn't want to come back because I was enjoying floating in LA yeah. and, you know, living in that in that lifestyle. It is quite addictive for sure. It's an incredible creative place and everyone's chasing something and and it is it is the home of, of, of cinema and, and movies for a reason because there's incredibly creative people there as well as incredibly egotistical people there. Mm. But I love the challenge of trying to navigate my way through that. Uh, coming home was, yeah, I was kind of through my wife's mother became ill. I was kind of forced home. I didn't want to come home, but I think in hindsight it's probably a great thing for me. It, it um, yeah, it, huh, it's, a, it's a good question. I actually haven't thought about it until now because. Do you worry that you'll get that same, I mean, maybe it's different now because you've got, a young family and you know you mm. really have ties to the island but mm. do you ever worry that you'll get that same feeling where you feel like you just really need to get off the island and escape and go and spread your mm. wings and mm. maybe it's somewhere you always come back to but yeah I, I, I don't know if I'm worried about it I think I'm really aware of it and yeah. I, I, I hope my wife is too and uh, definitely I, I will need to go somewhere and spread mm. my wings um and I think that's the, that's what that's the island though. I don't think it's one of those places. I think you have to leave, um, whether it's for a day or a month or mm. six months, um, for it to have its incredible unique qualities. And I even think back to you know I've done a little bit of research in indigenous cultures down here, and they used to send their youth here to heal, but they always said you have to leave when you feel healed for it to integrate. Oh wow! So I, I guess there's an element of that that we, you know, we feel um, mm. as well. So um, it definitely has an incredible healing quality, um, but it can turn on you just as quick if you if you milk it. Mm. I think because mm. there's a lot of depression down here. There's a lot of darkness down here. Yeah, I think there is. There's a lot of men, in particular, taking their lives, and and um, it's kind of unspoken, but it can heal a lot of people and it can and send a lot of people crazy at the same time. Mm. Because I suppose the nature of an island is it's quite isolated. It is. Yeah, it is. And, and it's, it's only a bridge. It can feel the, the, the mainland and the, the rest of the world can feel so far away yeah. energetically sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, I, I'm not 100% sure like what the feeling is on the ground in Australia, but certainly in the UK at the moment we're having a real kind of upsurge of um, talking about men and mental health and mm. um there's so many great things going on i'm sure all over the country but london is what i know so i'll talk mm. about london mm. um where you know there's it's kind of male only workshops and uh breathwork experiences and kind of just i don't know just this opportunity for men to be just more their authentic self rather than this kind of ideal of what they feel like they have to be and i wonder whether 
somewhere like here, like you were saying, there is quite a high in incidence of depression. It just hasn't, maybe that hasn't flourished yet. I don't know. Well, funnily you say that, I'm holding my second men's gathering. I wonder whether that's circle. why I asked because yeah. I feel like I saw that in the back yeah. of my mind. No, I did one um, before Christmas and I'm holding another one on Wednesday night, tomorrow night. Like um, a women's circle, but for men. But for men. And it's I have so much... There's a lot of uncomfortableness around it. Uh, a, who am I to facilitate anything? B, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Yeah. C, what if it goes wrong? And like, I think, you know, it's just such a unspoken thing with men where don't get too deep, but then do, but just, but don't, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I, I, I it's probably my own judgment of, uh, you know, what can I offer? But I think all I'm doing is providing a space, you know, with Island Tilling, the business that I run, we have the space to do it. Um, and I'll just ho hopefully help guide the conversation. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Like I'm in two minds of it a little bit, you know, why do we need to segregate and, and, and have mm -hmm. that time and, and, but, but, I, I mean, I really think that we do. We, we, but was, yeah, I agree. But we do. I think you know, having had one already before, there's something really powerful about just being heard and being mm. heard by other men mm. from a men's perspective is is really powerful in your truth, mm. or for other men to hear you and then maybe help guide you to where that truth is. Mm. Um, I've always had the opinion, and it's perhaps quite an unfeminist one that actually. Um, men and women are so different and we're so different for a reason. You know, our, our physiology is completely at odds with each other from mm. like anything from like, you know, hormones to mm. the way we're built. And, you know, I really think that um, that plays a huge part in how we live our lives. You know, I, I never feel like I have to work out as hard as my male counterpart or, you know, um, go at it as hard or be as stressed or be as busy because actually I know that as a woman my like really delicate kind of internal balance is so crucial for everything that I need to do mm. as a woman whether that's like um, bringing children into the world mm. or whether that's um, you know being at peace with my body and, and having like a regular period or something like yeah. that you know we 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 are so different and I think we need to you know, just accept that. For and sure. it is quite an unfeminist opinion because, you know, these days it's all, we should be equal, we should be equal, we should we mm. be equal. I'm not saying we should be any like lower down in terms of, you know, our valuation in society, but I do think it's really important to realize that as species, men and women have very different needs. Yeah. Agree. Um, completely. Um, and I think the, maybe the, the sticking point for men at the moment is there's a lot of confusion around what is acceptable as as a role, as mm. their role of being a man. And from the small work that I've done thus far with men on the island, my current view of masculinity is there's nothing more masculine about a man standing up and saying he, he doesn't know, he doesn't know the answer. And for me, that traditionally that's been a really weak and unmasculine thing to do. Mm. Men have always needed to know and create the form for which women can flow around. Mm. But for, for one reason or another, I think there's a lot of men out there that are, they just don't know the answer. And, but there's so, I think the fear of, of accepting that they don't know, whatever that may be in their life, that they don't have the answer is what's tipping them over the edge. But to, mm. to come and to be seen and heard in the not knowing for some mm. reason right now is a really powerful place for men to be. Mm. And from there, true masculinity for me can can rise 
Do you feel that Australia has quite a culture of kind of machismo that yeah. is difficult to break out from? Yeah, for sure. I think... Um, I certainly sensed that when yeah. I lived here and, yeah. and we were in Sydney and it's well, kind of really like... I mean, England has it too, sort yeah. of lads, 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 you know, rugby playing and mm. pint drinking and stuff, but really felt that in Australia. 100%. I mean, you look even look at it, who represents us on the world stage and, I mean, Russell Crowe is arguably... Kiwi as well, um, but, you know, Chris Hemsworth, and they're all very masculine, strong, uncompromising men, and th- that's incredible strength. It yeah. really is. Um, but maybe it's painting a bit of a picture f- uh, uh, f- for men to uh, not have any um, perceived weaknesses. Mm. Um, um, so, in a, yeah, Australian men in particular I think are known for being knockabout, uncompromising blokes. Um mm. So, yeah, I think just providing a space for them to accept that we have really we we throw in the towel to to a degree of who we thought we were, mm-hmm. and then build it up again from there is um, seems to be um, a pretty good place to start at the moment. Mm. And with Island Healing, which is this building we're sitting in now, is that yeah. always your was that one of the kind of main driving reasons for you taking on this business? I mean, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, well, we took this place over four, five months ago and I think six months ago it would have been the last thing from my mind of mm. ever doing. Um, so it's just one of those things. I just got back from LA basically and still my mind was very firmly fixed in what I could, had and, and wanted to, hadn't and still wanted to achieve over there. And then this popped up and there's, I think, after 18 months of banging my head against a brick wall with auditions and false leads and denials and then for something like this to come about with such ease, uh, I couldn't ignore it. Um, it. It just popped up. It Everything worked out and then all of a sudden it was ours. Uh, I had to honour that there was something in this that I needed to serve. Um, so for me, I'm very, I feel very connected to the land energy of the island. I feel, I guess, being here for so many years and I just felt very called to bring this space to the people of the island, no, nothing more than that. Mm. I feel like the island has incredible creatives and healers and and they need a space to, to, to work from, I thought, uh, and I still do believe. So um, that is my main driver with, with, with it all. It's Maybe it should be financially um, driven but it's not at all, but I'm finding that the more I give to this place, the more opportunities I'm getting elsewhere Mm. um and that's you know modeling wise i'm 35 now and i hadn't really worked for about four or five years but it's funny like the more rooms i painted in this place and the more energy and heart i put into this place the more auditions and 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 modeling jobs i was getting and i had to honor that at some stage like fuck okay so there's something in this you know I'm, i'm i'm truly and it was just a matter of me coming in here painting a wall and just exuding my myself and my heart into the place that was rewarded from mm. a different place straight mm. away so that's amazing it's been a pretty incredible thing to witness and um it's probably got me into the right flow of giving back before i f- expect to receive you yeah, know? yeah so um so did you have to relocate your whole family from uh, you were all living in la together and then kind yeah. of uprooted and came back here how yes. was that yeah it was it's it's been it's been pretty full on. We sold our house on Phillip Island in a beautiful location called Surf Beach, which is right on the ocean, and sold that to follow the LA dream and and um, and finally secured an incredible place in LA. And then when that ha- and when some illness in the family happened, we had to 
turn our backs on that, come home and basically come home with nothing. So two years ago, you know, two years earlier, we'd had everything on the island and then we returned with nothing. And a lot of that I've, I carried the responsibility of that because mm. we all went over there for me. So, um, yeah, it was it was humiliating, I think. It was – and I still, I still struggle. No, I look, I think having this place has really helped find a purpose to why I'm home. Um, but it's funny, you carry the weight of expectation and when you see people that bring up, you know, what happened to you? Obviously you didn't do very well over there and it, <laughs> it does weigh on you a little bit. Um, but for me, I think, uh, it, I still feel like the time over there was incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't feel like my time is done over there at the same, at the same, I'm in the same breath, but, um, I'm learning to just go with where the ease is. Um, mm. As long as my intention is pure, I think following yeah. that for now, and they're not judging and not, ex- the, yeah, not ex- expecting or needing anything more. Because I find that I'll have just as many opportunities in Phillip Island for the, for my Los Angeles project, for my Los Angeles dream than I do did in LA. You know, Amazing. so yeah, I think if it's meant for you, it'll follow you no matter where you are. Yeah, that that path yeah. of least resistance. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, which yeah. maybe I. You know, it's confusing because you hear, you know, you just got to hustle. You got to just keep keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And I, I, I still try and find that balance between ease and and the hustle. Mm. And, and where- I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there because I I step back from you know work, quote unquote work, mm. um, maybe like as much as probably just over six months ago now, or maybe more. Um, not willingly, I lost my job in marketing because mm. the company I was working for lost investment. So all of a sudden, you know, there wasn't yeah. money to pay me. And initially I was like, oh gosh, but it was just exact. It, it just happened at exactly the right, well, a bit too soon, maybe mm-hmm. like I'd yeah. always known that I wanted to go freelance and then that kind of happened. And I just thought, okay, cool. I'll just ride this out. And yeah. since then I, I initially started to work freelance for myself thinking I must get lots of marketing clients and for a while it was great I was earning so much more than I was in full-time mm. employment and it was almost like the universe was telling me not to work because I kept trying to kind of like win more business and then I would just lose it like people would either take their content in-house or decide that they didn't need like content marketing or something like that and and uh it was just like the universe just being like no no like you're not mm. meant to work now like do your passion like do mm. what you've just retrained to like go and be a nutritionist go and mm. do that qualification go and do that and since deciding that I didn't wasn't going to worry about money and I was just going to let stuff happen it's just amazing what opportunities come up and the way life just falls into place isn't it it's just it, it's spooky yeah. I think 100% and just hearing you say that it made me it dawned on me that maybe the hustle is listening to the signs maybe the yeah. hustle is that internal work and I think the hustle as yeah. a concept is so dangerous for sure exactly I agree completely but if we reframe that the hustle is is clearing the space mm. and listening Mm. Um, then maybe it's a, a better way to put it. But I, I agree. And for some reason I, this year in particular I feel like it's all about because we always, you know, you said before that maybe you got moved on too early, but too early is perfect because mm. that means there's a space there that you haven't already filled with your thoughts yeah. of what might come in, Yeah, you know. So sometimes when we're shocked and there's a clear space there with no preconceived ideas or yeah. no things to jump into through fear that's when the magic drops in yeah and I feel like these days you know we we are so consumed by thoughts and actions and things 24 7 like Mm -hmm. we actually never 
we never just sit without our phone or we never just sit mm. without a book. Or we never just sit without some form of stimulation. And yeah. it's amazing. Like if you give yourself even just like 10 minutes, suddenly your mind will start going and you'll just have an idea or you'll think, mm. oh, I needed to do that. And just allowing yourself the time to do nothing, which I think is really scary, especially in, in London. Maybe it's, I don't know, the island's kind of slower, but I've got friends in London who are unhappy in their jobs and they desperately want to take three or six months out and just just be and just figure it out but you know you've got rent and you've got a mortgage and there's mm. all these things that just make you feel like i can't do it i just mm. can't do it mm. um and it's really scary i think it is so many of those things are just false yeah falsities i think but you know there is there is the idea of rent and mortgage and mm. and all of that but um yeah, I think about myself and how disturbingly long I am on my phone or even now, you know, having a coffee. I'm, I'm always doing something and, mm. and, yeah, just I think I agree 10 minutes a day. It's, it, it's incredible what can come to you even in, in that small amount of time. But then mm. we've got to a state a stage in society where taking 10 minutes to ourselves is rare, is a bit mm. scary. Mm. It's a little scary. Yeah, mm. necessary yeah. scariness. Mm. Um. Before I kind of ask you the last few questions I ask everyone, any like dreams, hopes, wishes for the future, projects, plans? Yeah. What's next for you? I'm someone that's always got little projects going on. Um, and for me, yeah, I like to, I like to be, to be busy, but I like to be creative. So, you know, Island Healing is taking up a bit of my time at the moment, but I'm already, I'm thinking ahead. And for me, I really love storytelling. So um, the one thing I learned while I was in LA is how much I love telling other people's stories, whether that's as an actor or as a documentary kind of filmmaker. And for some reason, the ease seems to be more towards documentaries at the moment, not financial mm. ease because it's really hard to make money out of them. But um, so I'm working on it's a few concepts um, with that and uh, – uh, yeah, I, I really intend on putting a lot of my time into following other people's stories, and I feel like one of the th one of the things I do better in life is is bridge that gap between someone's story and and really finding the deeper messages in that that connect mm. to a wider audience. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm a, a human conduit. Mm. Maybe um, you should start a podcast and call it Stories of the Island, and yes. you could interview people on Phillip Island that are doing amazing things. Yeah, for sure, 100%. I think that the one thing I've realised that everyone has an equally important story to tell. Oh, so, definitely. Um, and yeah. it's amazing what happens just by asking someone, how are you? Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing that, that rewards me the most is finding bridging the gap between maybe the people society has forgotten a little bit and showing showing the wider audience how we all have we're all connected you know and and I recently made a documentary in Los Angeles I was asked uh, by a production company over there to make a food show and for, that really bores me the idea of that but I know food Oh my god that would be my dream But I know food shows well, exactly <laughs> I know food shows sell people watch food shows so um uh I kind of uh, wanted to challenge myself and uh we made a show called um well the pilot's called Street and it's basically um we f we we followed a, a homeless man in Venice Beach called Mike um who's a self-professed foodie um uh around for quite a while about a month um 
and uh, and learn a lot about him through food. So food was just the 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 the, the conduit, the conduit to, to to learn his story. And for me, it's a it was a bit of a fine line to tread because I I didn't want it to be patronising and I wanted it to not be about the food but about Mike. But it, I think because the intention of the project was pure, it turned out to be incredibly beautiful and. Um, Mike had some amazing stories to tell and I think food just ignites. Food brings people together, mm. you know, and, and we wanted to test that theory um, and, it, and it truly does. And I think the memories it ignites, uh, the stories that can be told, um, really bridge the gap between this guy who sleeps on the street and is ignored by 99% of people and and, and bridge the gap between him and, and those people. Um, mm. And everyone that's watched it has been able to find something in Mike that, that they relate to. Mm. So, yeah, it was, it was really that, that was a beautiful thing to, t- to tell, story to tell, and we're trying to replicate that and sell that concept so we can do one in each country um, and maybe focus Amazing. on people that society has forgotten, use food as the way to um, tell their story. So, you know, obviously the sexy food sh- shots sell, um, mm. but for me it's not about that. It's about can we, can, we bring, put, can we allow this guy or this girl a chance to be heard because, yeah. as I said before, I feel like everyone just wants to be seen or heard mm. in some way. Amazing. Yeah. So I've got to finish with the same three questions I ask everyone. Yep. Um, the first is what is one thing in life you would do again if you could? Hmm. Wow. One thing in life I would do again is I would um, – well, for some reason I would learn to trust myself again. I don't know why that came to mind but it did. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's been a bit of a theme in my life that trusting that my truth won't hurt people. So there's moments that I've been able to harness that and I think that I'd love to live every day knowing that me and my unbridled truth or even my dysfunction is mm-hmm. okay. Amazing. Yeah. And what's one thing you would change if you could? Uh, could be, it could be about you, it could be the world at large, literally anything. <sighs> You've got a strong thinking pose on there. <laughs> Very strong. <laughs> forgiveness came to mind and I think forgiveness for myself and a collective. You know, I think mm. that when you're not forgiving yourself, you're quick to judge others. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Yeah, I think forgiveness for oneself and for a, for a universal collective. Mm. And finally, the podcast is called State of Mind. Yes. What does state of mind mean to you? Uh, it means heart space. So... Um, it means living and listening to one's heart space and letting that guide the way and realizing that through that journey you'll be it will hurt and mm. living with your heart wide open hurts and it gets lashed and broken and all of that but i think it will ultimately lead you to your truth mm. amazing yeah this has been Hopefully. so wonderful thank you Reece. yeah thank you thanks for having me Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. That was the last from me for a little while um, before I kind of gather my thoughts and come back with a new series. Thank you so, so much for subscribing, for sharing the podcast and for generally just being awesome. Um, I will chat to you all again very, very soon. Bye-bye.